Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Second Corinthians. Amen. You don't want to miss the next couple of weeks. You'll be able to hear the, the voices of Bishop and the voices, the voice of Brother Mason in the next several services that are coming up here and on Wednesdays and Sundays. And I know your lives will be enriched and blessed by their ministries. Amen. To have a voice speaking to your life different from me. We need that. All of us do from time to time. I'm going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. It's early. Amen. It's still daylight outside and everything. And I realize summer's here and such, so. It's not like, well, we, you know, you just start whenever it's dark because if you do that in the summertime, it could be 8, 30, 9 o'clock, you know. That'd be a long song service. <laughs> Sing that chorus just one more time in all five verses, you know. Amen. That's the way the hymnals used to be. You have four or five, sometimes six verses in a hymn. Whenever you got done just singing it once, you have sung something. Amen. Now, I remember, though, going back through some of those, man, two or three, four times. Sing it again. Amen. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse number 22. I'm going to rehearse something here in your ears tonight. Moses wrote stuff down, and the Bible says that he rehearsed it in their ears. So I want to rehearse it in your ears tonight. The word of the Lord that maybe we have went to before, or no doubt you have read before. Nonetheless, it's what we all times call the portfolio of the Apostle Paul. He says in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 22, this is him given his portfolio, if you will. He says, and then to understand the, the setting here, there's been some people that's moved in on the Corinthian church, uh, false preachers and teachers and prophets, and there's people that's trying to blackmail Paul, and, uh, trying to say things against him. So Paul was not usually one to boast or speak of himself, but he's substantiating his his ministry and his placement here as a child of God. And he says then in verse 22, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? He says in parentheses, I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes above measure in prisons, more frequent in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, and once was I stoned thrice. I suffered shipwreck, thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness it's very easy while you read through those that you start slurring and almost say pearls amen in perils in the sea in perils among false brethren in weariness and painfulness and watchings often 
in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Care of all the churches. Tonight I want to rehearse something in our ears. Uh, so easy to get caught up into the ritual of life. So easy to get caught up in the mundane of life. It can actually become dangerous at times. And so Paul mentioned a plethora of things here that he had suffered, disappointments that he had had, beatings, things against his own physical body. But he said, besides those things that are without that which cometh upon me, everybody say daily. I have preached this before in my life, but I felt in the Holy Ghost to preach this this evening. The peril of ordinary days. The peril of ordinary days. Let's pray together tonight all across this place if you're willing to do so. Jesus, I need you tonight. I pray, oh God, today, Lord, help us, Jesus, to grow. Lord, in our walk and in our talk, I pray, God, I do not want to be rocked to sleep. God, in this hour, I pray, oh God, I do not want Jesus, God, the ritual, Lord Jesus, of God, the dynamics of everyday life, Lord Jesus, and even church life at large. I pray, oh Lord, to have such a, Lord, just deadening impact, God, that I'm beyond feeling, that I'm beyond recognizing, I pray. Lord, be with us tonight, God, as we look at the words, the portfolio of the Apostle Paul. One more time, God, let it embed something, Lord, in our hearts and minds and spirits. God, it will not fail to thank you and praise you for it. The lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. And everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name this evening. The peril of ordinary days. Paul, the apostle, no doubt we understand him to be a traveler. We have, if you turn to the maps part of your Bibles, if you have the maps part, you'll finally find some maps that are there that have different journeys and different colors that's delineating the three different missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul as he went abroad to various places, cross seashores, sometimes by ship, sometimes by foot, establishing churches and preaching the gospel to those who would give ear to what he had to say. He would constantly travel back to these churches that he established, and he established several, but he would travel back to these churches that he established in order to check on their well-being, to make sure that they were faring, if you will, okay. And although he corresponded to them mostly a lot of times by letters, thus we have the epistles of the Apostle Paul, there were other times, though, issues that arose or difficulties that arose that could not be resolved by a letter in and of itself, or he would at least try to make headway with it through a letter, but would then tell them that shortly I will be coming to you to, to discuss some of these things with you and to visit you. And such is the case of 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. The Corinthian church has, has bought into some false teachers. They have bought into some degrees some, some false doctrines. And the false teachers of Paul's age here in Corinth would boast 
of their abilities and they would boast of their credentials and in the process of boasting about themselves and their abilities and credentials they would also in the same breath try to diminish the apostle Paul in the eyes of those churches that he had established. They would try to mar the image of him in their eyes. They wanted uh, them to have a lower level of respect toward Paul, a lower level of respect toward this great apostle that helped establish their church. And Paul, as I said, he was not one to normally boast. He, he said in other portions of scripture that if he's gonna boast, he's gonna boast in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not gonna be any attribute of his own or personality of his own. And so he knew that it was not proper for a minister of the gospel to boast in and of himself. However, on this occasion, he took some, some ministerial license, if you will, to come among these people that are having doubtful disputations about Paul and about his credibility. And so Paul begins to boast, amen, to save the believers that were in the church at Corinth from being misled or led astray. The objective of Paul in doing this was to vindicate himself from the charges which had been brought on him to vindicate himself against the charges that these false teachers were bringing upon him. Even the, 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 the claim of him having a, an apostle's office, so to speak. And so therefore, whenever we come to the word they, he begins to reference in verse 22, they. They are the false teachers that he's speaking about. The Bible says that Paul admits, he says, I am a Hebrew, I am an Israelite, I am a seed, if you will, of Abraham. In other words, I have just as rich as a heritage as any others of you. I, I, I am an Israelite, I can trace my genealogy and my descendants go all the way back to the Hebrew children. So you don't have anything on me whenever it comes to heritage. I am one of them. In verse 23, the Bible says that they call themselves ministers. And Paul says, well, if you are ministers, if that is the case, he says, then I am more a minister. Man, we almost got us a, a dog match going on right here. If you say you're a minister, he says, and I'm telling you that I'm more of a minister even than you are. And he begins then with his list of classifying and qualifying, amen, his status of being a minister of all the sufferings he's been through and all the trials that he's come through, all the perils of life that he has and the hardships that he has suffered with. And he come to this, this poor portfolio of the apostle Paul and he says I am more he says I am in labors more abundant and in stripes above measure he says I've been in prisons more frequent and in deaths often you must remember the apostle Paul and his missionary journeys were oftentimes intermingled with imprisonment because of his preaching the name of Jesus and his touting if you will the glorious gospel he oftentimes found himself in prison as a result of that as a matter of fact several of his epistles were written while he was in prison he says you want to talk about ministering he said I ministered when it wasn't popular to minister he said I ministered truth whenever it wasn't acceptable to accept truth he says you're just preaching something that everybody's chasing after of all the stars are going after he said but I preach whenever nobody was standing with me but I knew it was God's word he said so I'm more than a minister than ye all 
and they cast me into prison as a result of it. And he says, I've faced death more times perhaps than all of you together have faced death. The Bible even tells us on more than one occasion the apostle Paul was nigh and at the point and close to death. But he doesn't stop there, honey. He's on a train now. He elaborates a little bit more. He said, of the Jews, he said, five times I received 40 stripes, save one. He said, I, I've been thrice beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, I've suffered shipwreck three times. A night and a day I've spent in the belly of the deep ocean. I know what it's like to suffer. I've been in bonds and in imprisonments. All of that has been familiar to me. I, I've not been exempt from any of those. I know what it's like to walk the rough road. He says, nevertheless, he said, I've been a malefactor, it seems, to the people. I've been placed in the hands of the public for righteousness sake. They put me in jail. They put me at the whipping post. They've had heart usages upon my body. They have mangled my skin and mangled my body. He says these were things that I've just been accustomed to. That's the type of ministry I know. He says concerning the Jews when I fell into their hands they never spared me. He said they always gave me five times I fell under their hands and every time I received 40 stripes save one. And the only reason why they saved one because they knew it was against the law to go over 40. And so the saving of the one was just a buffer just in case they miscounted. They always took me to the extent of the law to the utmost that it allowed. They didn't want to exceed it but they didn't want to be too short of it either. They they wanted to give me, if you will, the book to the greatest degree of the law. That's what I've suffered. Someone say amen. Amen. He said, don't, 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 don't look at the Jews alone. He said, but the Gentiles, they didn't do things in moderation as well. He said, among them, I was thrice beaten with rods. Amen. One time in Philippi, it happened. There was once, the Bible says, and records in the book of Acts, that Paul was stoned. And the Bible says, after it was done, that everybody assumed that he was dead, but he got back up. Amen. He was stoned to, to everybody's belief to death. He suffered shipwreck three times we see even the recording of one in Acts 27 a night and a day he had spent in the deep there were times that he was even in the depths of dungeons or in the depths of prisons he says I know what it's like just allow me to boast a little bit about my suffering and my despair you want to say amen he says but this wasn't all he said wherever I went he said trouble has followed me he says, I have went in perils. He says, I've been exposed to perils of all sorts. I'm a traveler now. I've journeyed far and wide. I've journeyed by land. I've journeyed by voyages of the sea. And I have been in perils. He states some of the things. I've been in perils of robbers, some of enemies of different sorts. I, I had to have courage to go on the voyages of old times because the ships were quite smaller. They were a little clumsy. Amen. The demarcation of where the rocks and the shores were were poorly defined. Amen. That we had no indication of what the weather seemingly was going to be like except for the stars. There were no signals, no lighthouses. He says, I was in the perils of the sea. He said, beyond that, the people that should have been calling me brothers, the ones that should have been linking arms with me, my own Jews, my own countrymen, they sought to kill me. They sought to take my life. They sought to do me mischief. He said, I didn't just suffer from the heat. Even I suffered from the God. 
said, for that matter, there are probably some of the heathen that was more kind to me than some of my own countrymen. I suffered the peril of both the brethren and those that were strange to me. I suffered in the city and I've suffered in the wilderness. I've suffered here and I've suffered there. I've suffered all the thoughts of the modern day. And he says, I've been in perils in the city. He said, I've been in perils of my own avowed enemies. Amen. Those who called me brethren, false brethren they were after I found out how they had treated me. And he says, listen, I haven't always had a silver spoon, so to speak, in my mouth. He said, I have been a stranger. You can look at Paul. I've been a stranger to wealth. I've been a stranger to plenty. Why do you think it is whenever he's doing all of his ministry, we see him at different times even having occupation. Amen. It's because he wasn't a rich man. He wasn't a wealthy man he knew what it was like to be without power and without pleasure and without ease and without preferment amen he said I fasted often amen sometimes out of necessity because there wasn't anything to eat and other times out of desire I've went through the cold I've been naked and lacking clothes at times hallelujah he's combating all the voices and yet this man the apostle Paul many if not most would agree one of the greatest blessings of his age he was to them. They viewed him as though the burden of all the earth on their shoulders, but he was one of the greatest blessings of the age to them. They viewed him, many of him, as the plague of his generation, but in reality, he was the blessing of all generations into those people. And he has this great portfolio. And he comes down to verse number 28. And yet this is not all. He says in verse 28, Beside those things that are without. He said, that which cometh upon me daily. The care of all the churches. The Message Bible says it like this, that first phrase, besides those things. And that is not the half of it. In other words, everything I told you, all the perils I've went through, the shipwreck, the beating, the stoning, all these things that I've uh, spoken to you and about that I've suffered. He says, that's not even the half of it. Uh, the Bible in basic English says it like this, in addition to all these other things. In addition to all these other things. And that's not even the half of it. Amen. Paul's saying, yes, I've been through many trials. Yes, I've been through many hardships and battles. Yes, perils. But look, the greatest of it all, that's not even half of it. He said, the greatest trial of all, the heaviest burden of all, is that which came upon me daily. Someone say Amen. Paul said the beatings were bad, but they weren't near as bad as what I had to contend with daily. He said the shipwreck was horrible. The night and the day in the deep was bad. But besides that, honey, that's not even half of it. I want to talk to you about the things that came upon me daily. Paul had established several churches, yes. And yes, he had several responsibilities to them. Amen. Privilege and responsibilities to them as a result of these churches. He had government that he had to set up in the churches. That was his responsibility. He had to contend, if you will, with the things of those churches on a daily, regular basis. And so if I might then say to you tonight, him dealing with what the churches had or the problems they had or the government they needed, since he did that every day, doing that was Paul's ordinary. 
doing that was Paul's ordinary day. And so these verses lead up to, if you will, a climax. That Paul's greatest peril that superseded all the previous perils that he mentioned in Scripture was the peril of having an ordinary day. Someone say amen. It wasn't so much the care of the church because that was common every day. But it was the peril. The peril was the assumed predictability of an ordinary day. Joanne Goth says this, a man can stand almost anything except a succession of ordinary days. Setting among us tonight, there are people of all types of different patterns, all types of different rituals that you follow every day. Some of you have getting up at exact same time every day. You have a certain ritual you go through every morning. Whether it's you get your coffee before you get ready or you get it after you get ready. You, you have a particular ritual where you go and where you drop your kids off, what time you do it, who you go to after there, when you get your groceries during the week, when you do your bills and cash your checks. We all have rituals. We all have patterns that we follow every day for getting ready, for going to work, for coming to church. And our jobs to a certain degree is to follow the pattern every day. The same pattern, every, some of you, it's so second nature to you, you don't even have to think about some of the things that you do. I remember when I used to drive to Evansville, I used to get there and wonder if I stopped at some of those stoplights because it came so second nature to drive that road and drive that path. It was part of my ritual of just another day, the same path. Babies, it starts even in infancy. They come into our families and they get used to a schedule. You know, mothers love to try to get those babies on a schedule. They're getting those babies on a schedule that will comprise their day. And that baby starts to learn to know when it's going to be fed, when it's going to nap, when it's going to play. And our bodies get used to the regularity, the ritual, the formalism, if you will, of a regular day. That if you eat the same time every day and it's five minutes past that time, your stomach is hollering to you because there's a pattern. There's a ritual. Hey Amen. It makes you aware that something is going on. But the thing, the problem, the problem, the peril of ordinary days is this, is that they're predictable. You know when that's going to happen. You know when that's going to take place. You know where you're going to be. You know when dinner's going to be at the house, on the table. They are predictable. That's the reason why we are absolutely, amen, at, if you will, uh, uh, the salvage of something Somebody that would want to take our life for murderous because we are so predictable. Our days are predictable. Our rituals are predictable. And the peril or the danger that comes from predictable days is this. Is that we are not expecting something to come down our path that doesn't fit in our ritual. That's the danger of an ordinary day. When something is inserted, when something intersects your path that's outside the norm. Someone say amen. 
We could take a trip just a few years ago. It's still yet heavy upon the hearts and the minds, Aaron Brown. September the 11th of 2001 was a peril of an ordinary day. The many husbands and wives who kissed each other goodbye that morning were not aware that that was going to be their parting kiss, was not aware it was going to be their parting time. Children who left the warm embrace of a parent to go to school or daycare, amen, never would again feel those same arms around about them. Others were going on another business trip, amen, flying through the air, had done it thousands of times, but little did they understand that this wasn't just going to be an ordinary day. Businessmen would have sent up the Twin Towers to go to their office to do their work and their duty, but they didn't realize that morning that their descent would not be by an elevator in the evening. What happened that day was unseen. What happened that day was unexpected. What happened that day was not predictable. It was the peril of an ordinary day. Why you say that, Brother McGee? Because there were no guards or policemen before it happened. There was not all the sirens and everything waiting there for the first plane to come in. No one was prepared for what was going to take place because if somebody had announced there's going to be an attack, somebody would have taken precaution. But the peril of an ordinary day is you are not prepared for the unexpected. Someone say amen. What are you saying, Brother McGee? I'm saying we don't go to war in street clothes. It's not like you just get up and put on war clothes and say, let's see what will happen today. No. You go to war with weapons. You go to war with armor protection. Why? Because you know what to expect. But whenever something unexpected comes upon your ordinance, When the left field comes in on your predictable, everybody kind of gets hit off, if you will, their, their balance because they have the peril of an ordinary day. See, ordinary days, weapons are laid aside. Ordinary days, armor is taken off. Ordinary days, we just assume everything's just going to continue as it's always went. Just ordinary day. I'm here to tell you tonight that the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, Israel's life as a nation was marked several times as being a nation that was unfaithful to God, as a nation that was, if you will, anemic concerning the things of God. When we look at her history, we understand that the peril that oftentimes befell it was unfaithfulness, forgetting who God was, forgetting their creator that brought them out of bondage, forgetting their creator, amen, that stood up for them and fought for them. 400 years or so, the Bible says they were in Egyptian bondage. Later, the Bible records that there were 70 years of a Babylonian captivity. Did they have hardships? Yes. They faced many through their wilderness wanderings of 40 years. They were constantly, it seems, fighting wars and battles with foe, not to mention being separated into two separate kingdoms at one time. But if we consider it, amen, they even start to sound like Paul's portfolio a little bit. They have suffered. They've had hardship. They thirsted. They hungered in their wilderness journey. You can't even begin to imagine the bloodshed that they saw and the funerals that they attended and the oppression from other nations that they succumbed to. But here is something we need to realize. Israel 
never was unfaithful to God when they were in a battle. Israel, I'd say it again. Israel was never unfaithful to God when they were in the suffering mode. When they were in a battle. When things weren't well. You know when Israel became unfaithful? When she was having ordinary days. You want to know when Israel decided maybe this God thing isn't what it's all cracked up to be? When she had ordinary days. When she was in her ritual of getting up and eating and making sure the kids are taken care of and that the tent was clean and that they'd have a little time around the fire and say a few devotions before they go to bed. That's when Israel would slip into unfaithfulness. What are you preaching tonight then, Brother McGee? I'm preaching this to the church, to the first apostolic church. You gotta beware of the peril of ordinary days. It can be just a Wednesday, a Sunday morning and a Sunday night, regular work week, going through the motions of our rituals of life and if we don't watch ourselves we'll find ourselves becoming unfaithful to God in the ordinary moments of life no 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 no, 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 no brother McGill I'll tell you yes because I'll tell you when I hear from people the most they're in the hospital they need prayer they're sick of ordinary days the peril of ordinary days everything's fine money in the bank got a house to live in health's doing good everything's fine but you know what you see people start getting cold start getting indifferent toward the things of God everything's going exactly the way it should be one would think in your life but you start to get cold you start to get unfaithful in the things of God but you let the first tragedy arise you let the first thing unexpected come in your ritualistic life and I'll tell you what's going to happen oh pastor remember me in prayer and they'll be more faithful to church during that time than they are other times why because it's not ordinary day now the unexpected a tidal wave has come in can I tell the church tonight that whenever Christ comes it's just going to be an ordinary day He even said, if we'd known, he said he's going to come as a thief in the night. And had we known what time the thief would come, he said the husband would be ready. What's that tell me? It's going to be an ordinary day. And his return is going to be the unexpected for somebody. I don't want to be cold. I don't want to be indifferent. I don't want to be unfaithful and be caught up in the peril of an ordinary day. When Israel wasn't fighting, when she wasn't fighting for her land or fighting for her people, it's in those moments that they started getting glazed over eyes for foreign women to join themselves to, to have children that might have been half Hebrew and half Ammonite, half Hebrew and half Moabite. They did that whenever they were not fighting. They did that in the moments of settling in their laurels of an ordinary. 
an ordinary day. It's in those moments that they brought idolatry into their life. It's in those moments of the ordinary day, everything's fine and well according to schedule and ritual, that they would bring compromises into their life. It's the danger. Let me answer a question for somebody tonight. Brother McGee, I don't understand sometimes. And this isn't, the, this isn't the answer for everybody, okay? But where it applies, let it apply. Brother McGee, I just don't understand why I'm always in struggle. Why there's all these perils that I'm always going through. I don't understand. I tell you why. Because God's realized that you can't, you can't manage an ordinary day. Because if you manage an ordinary day, you'll try to do it without him. He understands you got to be fighting in order to be faithful. Now, Now consider here. Consider. Children of Israel leave Egyptian bondage. What a great deliverance. Red Sea experience. The wilderness become ordinary yeah they had miracles here and there food water supply became kind of ordinary especially when they stopped at one place for a period of time see it's hard to have really a a good pattern of life when you're pitching your tent and then picking it back up and moving so much of a distance so but if you just ever get stationary at a place for a while see this happened in Exodus 32 Bible says that Moses went up the mount of God. Children of Israel down at the base of the mount. And the Bible says, here they are in this one location. Moses is up there for 40 days. Start to wonder what's happened to Mo. He's been up there for 40 days. And when you talk about people that's used to picking up tent and going, picking up tent and going, they was at a place for a little bit. You know what happens when you get to a place for a little while? You can get into a mode of life. Because from that location, you know where the watering hoe is. From that location, you know where the berries or where the game roams. They knew they could organize their day and have a pattern or a ritual set up. 40 days. 40 days that happens. But you know what else is birthed out of that 40 days? Of ordinary, it's during that time that they broke the earrings off their ears that they had taken from the Egyptians and gave it to Aaron. The Bible says he put all that in the the kiln. And as the scripture says, out came this calf, a golden calf. And these same people that's just sung the deliverance song of Moses from coming over the Red Sea are now marching around a calf. They're drinking. They're being married. They're giving in to each other in relationships. Why, Brother McGee? Because they had gotten to a mode of ordinary days. No battles taking place right now. No, no, no being parched for water is happening right now. No deficiency of food is going on right now. No, they are just in the ordinary mode of life. And in that 40-day ordinary mode of life, they started to become unfaithful to God. So much so Moses can hear as he's coming down the mount. He says, "What is that? Is that the sound of war that I'm hearing in the camp? And they say, no, Moses, that's not the sound of war. 
Do you see what Moses is saying? Because Moses was so used to, he was so used to their traveling through the wilderness of being a day of a battle or a fight or needing this or needing that. He says, is that war? He said, that's not war. He said, that's the sound of rejoicing. That's the sound of an ordinary day. An ordinary day, though, that's been tainted, if you will, by the unexpected. And yet, because it was unexpected, their guard is down, so to speak. Their armor is off. Their swords are laying at the bottom of their tent because they've grown accustomed just to the ritual of an ordinary David, the Bible says, was a man of war. Blood was constantly upon his his hands and on his shoes. Wasn't even able to build the house of God because he was such a man of war. Yet many of you, most of you, if not all of you, know the story of 2 Samuel 11. The day whenever he failed is whenever Israel was going to war, but David stayed at home to have an ordinary day. And he got up in the evening time and went out on his balcony and he seen a woman Bathsheba that was bathing herself. It was just an order. It should have been to war. But he was hesitant in going to war. He was just having another ordinary day. David, what were you doing? David, you know the peril of an ordinary day. You've been those times that you was just writing poetry as you commonly did in songs into God, watching over the sheep and the unexpected happen of a lion that would show up or a bear that would show up and you had to, if you will, come to meet the moment and take care of business. It wasn't ordinary, but it was necessitated of you because of what was happening and taking place. David, you've been a man of war. You know what it's like to be a fugitive in hardships, but what taught you more than anything? Because the Bible talks about you being faithful in everything except the thing concerning Uriah. Amen, the Hittite, which was a byproduct of his sin with Bathsheba. You know what it's saying? The very, the very thing that was a, a, a faux pas for you or a most downer for you was your ordinary day moment. Solomon, his son, David's son Solomon had peace during his reign because his daddy fought a lot. Fought a lot before he was ever made king. Fought a lot before he ever came to the throne. Solomon had peace during his reign and as a result of being able to have peace he was able to build the temple of Solomon and all the elaborate beauty that he did do, amen, for the Lord. So he has peace. So he's able to build the house of God because he's not fighting like his father had to fight. And so Solomon was able to get comfortable. Don't have to go out and, you know, bring back the heads of so many Philistines like dad used to, you know, or meet a certain quota, you know, today. I'm able to get comfortable in the ritual of just the ordinariness of life. But it was the ordinary days of Solomon. Let me say it like this. Solomon would have been better if he had to be a fighter like David. Because it was the ordinariness of Solomon's life. But the Bible states this in 1 Kings 11 and verse 3. Speaking of Solomon, and he had 700 wives, princesses, 300 concubines, and his wives... Turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. 
and his heart was not perfect in the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. You know what ordinary days, formalism and ritual got Solomon in his life? Took him to a place where he made and joined with women that were not of the Jewish descent outside of the household of God that in turn brought in pagan practices and pagan gods until ultimately what's going on? Solomon, the most wisest man in all the earth, and because he asked to know what he ought to do, got also riches, huh? Understanding is a man then because of the peril of ordinary days. His heart is turned away. Not because an enemy was putting him through torture to give up his allegiance to God, but because in just the normality of a day, it snuck in unawares. How long does it take, Brother McGee? It'd be two weeks for some, five years for others, or 20 years for others. But I'm telling the church family tonight, you got to beware of the peril of an ordinary day. You need to ask you a question right now. How long have I been in the church? How long have I been serving God? How long have I been doing this thing called Christianity? How long have I prayed? How long have I fasted? How long have I read my Bible and become faithful? Because all those things can come nothing more but just an ordinary thing. Another little time slot. Going to do my little devotion with God. Just going to have my little prayer meeting with God. Just going to do these little things that all becomes a part of your ordinary day. And if you don't watch it, the unexpected can show up. Or you can find yourself, you can find yourself slipping and reading your Bible. yeah let me testify there's times there's times i find myself i read in the mar- i write in the margins of my bible of course i know i know whenever i have read brother malone and when i have read because you can go get my bible and you could see it yourself there might be some weeks or days that go by there's nothing written in my margins you know what that is that's me in my ordinary day Eyes going on the page, reading words, and it going no further than my eyes. But the days whenever I've kind of stepped up and out is the days I got scribblings on my margin where I feel like the Spirit saying this and I feel the Holy Ghost directing here and there. But all the others, it's just an ordinary day of me casting my eyes at the page because that's what a Christian ought to do. See, ordinary day for the Christian is this, is I know I got a prayer time, boy, they preach about that and it should be consistent and I'm gonna go to my place of prayer and I'm gonna pray and I'm down there praying and I look over, oh, it's been two minutes. I look, oh, it's been five minutes. I look over, oh, it's been 10, that's good. But outside the ordinary is, is leaning down, all of a sudden you're like, oh, God, and you're praying, and all of a sudden you're just like, woo, I'm going to start setting an alarm. I'm going to be late for work. I, I, I just had just tapped in with God in that seat. What are you saying? I'm saying you you check off all the bucket lists or you check off all the to-do lists, prayed, fasted, devotion, read my Bible, and you still grow unfaithful if it just becomes an ordinary It's a peril. See, Paul knew exactly what he was talking about. And I'm closing. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 30. Paul knew exactly what he was talking about. 
In verse number 30 of 2 Corinthians 11, he said, after this long laundry list, if I must needs glory, he says, I'll glory of the things which concern my infirmities. What? He says later in verse 10 of the next chapter, verse, uh, chapter 12, he says, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Now see, this is interesting. I just want to just kind of peer a little light here. It says, I, I, I take pleasure in all these things. For when I am weak, then am I strong. And we have always, there's no harm in that. But we always step back and say, well, see, here's Paul in, in reproaches and persecutions and distresses, distresses and all that comes upon him. And he's weak. But in the moment that he's weak in those, then he becomes strong. But let's flip it for the purposes of being aware or being careful concerning the peril of ordinary days. Paul says, for when I am weak, then am I strong. You know what? This is just, this is Paul McGee 101, okay? Could it be that perhaps Paul is saying, I was weak in ordinary days, but with persecution and distress and something fighting me, I was strong. I was more apt to be unfaithful in ordinary days, but when there was distresses and persecutions, I found myself being more faithful. Stand with me tonight. It's the peril. Boy, what a laundry list the apostle had. But to have that laundry list and then say, this tops it all. This tops it all. Not the stripes that was laid to my back. Not the beating of the rods. What topped it all. What was the most dangerous was the ordinary days. What was the most dangerous, what, what was most detrimental to me was just the regular, the ordinary. Whew. Oh God, let us bow our heads all across this place tonight. Father, I come to you this evening. I pray, oh God, I don't want to be caught up, Lord, in the peril, Lord, of the ordinary days. God, we get so used, so used, Lord God, to the ritual of life, both the life, God, that we lead in the world and the life that we lead in the church. God, and it becomes so second nature. God, almost God, without even putting our minds or hearts into it, we can be actively involved in both the world sphere and the church sphere because it's become just the way that life is done. But God, the, the, the problem in all of that is, Lord, we could actually slip away. We could fall, per se, from grace because we are just doing what we've always done the same way we've always done it and believe that it meets, if you will, the criteria of doing what needs to be done for the Lord when in reality we grow cold, complacent, and indifferent and might find ourselves slipping, if you will, on the ice of unfaithfulness because we've been caught up into an ordinary day. Church, if we could begin praying here this evening. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.